This is a shock podcast. Shock. And of course, talking about the driver with the best form, we have our smooth operator Carlos Sainz. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna experiment here. Do we, do we all want to sing "Smooth Operator" <laughs> in unison? <laughs> I mean, he was singing at the end of the race, right? Yeah. Should we do it? Yeah, ready? Three, two, one. Smooth operator. Oh, wow, this is. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a new ringtone, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Suited and Booted, the Formula One podcast. We're here for our post-Singapore GP race review. In the studio, you have me. My name is Daniel Woodruff, and alongside me, you have... Jasmine Jafar. And, and I'm Weiron Tan. And we have a special guest as well in the studio who'll be jumping in every now and then, uh, Malaysian racing driver... There we go. He sounds super happy to be in the studio. <laughs> All right. As usual, let's do a very, very quick recap of the results from Quali and the race before we get stuck in with our analysis. Over to you, Ron. Well, qualifying. Man, what a qualifying. Top three, Carlos Sainz, George Russell, and Charles Leclerc. Less than a tenth between the top three. Stroll had a massive crash in Q1. And I can tell you a little bit more. It's definitely not an injury for sure. Um, Liam Lawson, first Q3, only his third race with Alpha Tauri, and also his first time in Singapore. What a story there. The question is, Red Bull had, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of questions about Red Bull. They had zero pace the entire weekend um, from, you know, being such a dominant team everywhere they went to, every street circuit, high speed, low speed. Why is it in Singapore they can't find the pace? Jazz, you've driven Singapore. Tell us a little bit more. I have not actually driven Singapore. Oh, you Singapore. have not? Sorry. We, we think <laughs> well, you've okay. driven yeah. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Ron, for acknowledging me um, as I've raced there. But that's why we have Nazim on the show. But on the other hand, I think Red Bull had a bit of a mix-up in their strategy over the weekend from quali, struggling with pace and also in the race. So it's as though they were a bit overconfident in having a harder set of compound in qualifying, thinking they have the pace to actually run into Q3, which they missed. Um, a shot shy from young Liam Liam Lawson mm-hmm. and in the race they were also probably overconfident trying to jump the rest in the in that first pit stop with the safety car so before we talk about the kind of impact of maybe the circuit on the car we do have Nazim Nazim was racing in the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia the same weekend so he's one of the support racers for the Formula 1 Nazim maybe tell us what it's like driving Singapore why this track is different from other circuits talk about the deg I mean it is a street circuit after all yeah so Singapore is not like any other track. It's my first time there as well. And I think the thing about Singapore is that um, it's really bumpy, actually. And because you have a lot of tarmac changes, like so you have the paved, like the normal racing surface that grows in the last sector to turn three, I think. And then after that, it's just road. And the thing about the road here is it's very abrasive. One thing about it is um, you get a lot of tired egg, for sure. And you get rear tire temps spiking up quite a lot. So during the races, I'm always like going forward with my brake bias, just trying to cool down the rears because it's it's a very slow section. So basically, like you, you get a lot of wheel spin you get a lot of rotation to be honest during the race that's what i was struggling with the most and it's very very bumpy under braking so i think that it really challenges the car as well and challenges the setup quite a lot it's a track where it's very easy to make mistakes as you saw in the race so yeah you have to just stay cool and just stay put yeah so it's, it's definitely one of the hardest races on the calendar for the drivers but for the car and particularly the red bull i mean we've seen how versatile the red bull chassis and engine etc can be but i don't know did they just go backward on setup is is, is there was there a, was there an update that, that, that we're kind of missing i mean this this is we know that the track is going to be affecting everybody but to affect them that much 
approaching Singapore Grand Prix, like Nazim said, is totally different, right? Because mm-hmm. in the middle of the city, it's only once a year. Track is abrasive to what you mentioned earlier. So there's a mix factors of everything. Some of the teams brought minor upgrades to finish off the year. But the most important thing is heat. So heat can um, jeopardize a lot of tyre degradation. Mm-hmm. It jeopardizes a lot of tyre warm-up because it can overheat and involves a bit of graining on the tyres. So on Red Bull stands, I think they were so used to, um, on other circuits, kids running harder sets on compounds because they can do it um, but on this situation on the other hand uh, didn't go to their favour so but it's also scenarios so scenarios change session to session rubbers laying in you know debris uh, lying on the track uh, obviously in quality when you see uh, when you see stroll having that shun having a bit of sand and etc so yeah it, it varies session to session it's not usually a mistake that Red Bull would make right I mean like I think this is something that the team would anticipate they have some of the best engineers in history working on their team. But lack of pace aside, it wasn't the only reason that Red Bull was making headlines and kind of just popping up in the in the newsfeed, if your newsfeed is, is Twitter. Max in particular, first of all, holding up a bunch of drivers in the pit lane in Q1. Mm-hmm. Not the worst thing that, that, that kind of happened, but it was a, a noteworthy event. I have a feeling like he might have done it intentionally. I don't know. Um, you disagree? Mm, well... Possibly. But sometimes drivers have this um, little, little tricks of the trade, right? Exactly. It, it depends how you how you look at it in the bird's eye view or in, in the driver's cockpit. But yeah, it may, may not be intentional. I, I, I think it was a play because <laughs> yeah. they know that they lack pace since free practice one until then. They needed to try something just to maybe challenge the, the drivers in... Like mentally, rather than, you know, on track, um, they needed to just do something to make that happen. Like, you know, speaking of track temp as well, we we're looking in the afternoon during the support race. I mean, it reached up to like 62 degrees Celsius track temp. And I think it's the hottest they've ever been to in any of the circuits this year. So it's good to see that Red Bull does have a weakness. I mean, they're dominant everywhere else, but apparently not in Singapore. I think they probably lack the updates yeah and their weakness now is apparently their own sister team uh before we talk about the impressive performance of liam lawson the other reason why red bull came up in the headlines was of course max impeding yuki Tsunoda's lap right um we know how hot-headed the young japanese boy can be and he's got a a whole team behind him trying to calm him down and working on all that swearing but i hope he doesn't change i do i do like his uh his colorful uh, radio comms. Um, but the interesting thing with that was there was a hearing afterwards, right? They they brought over the Red Bull side, the FIA did, and the AlphaTauri side didn't show up, right? And that obviously caused a lot of conspiracy theories, you know, like, of course, the sister team's not going to show up at a hearing where Max could potentially get a penalty. But I did some reading. Apparently, there was no conspiracy theories. It was just the fact that the notification to Franz Tost was sent via WhatsApp, and they don't take that as official means of communication, right? So wow. if it comes as an official letter, it's kind of like you have to be there. If somebody sends you a WhatsApp, then you don't have to be there, right? And it was the same thing with how the notification was sent to the Aston Martin team. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I just wanted to address that because I know a couple people were hoping for some conspiracy <laughs> theories. We're going to shut that down. Now, talking about the others in Red Bull... 
Perez, my favorite. We're going to talk about our win in a oh minute boy. later. Um, <laughs> who my Bennett is. Mm. I mean, he spun out in Q2. I mean, what's, what's up with this guy? He's forgetting how to, how to drive. I mean, come on. He's been spinning in every Q2. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> talked about the race. Yeah. <laughs> as, as far as I remember, man, this guy is losing a bit of confidence. Huh? Quite, Massively. He's as though he's forgotten how to drive, to be honest. I, I don't know. Um, judging from his pace from, you know, okay, he, he has done a few second places and two tenths mm-hmm. off max, three tenths off max is pretty up there. But man, the, the remainder of the races was completely nowhere. It's almost like he peaked and then he's just dropping off yeah. completely now. It's, it's the Red Bull curse. Yeah. It, re- it really is the Red Bull curse. You can't be P2 to, or the number two driver to, to kind of max. I think that, that just ruins your psyche completely and everything that's happening in the news cycle. I mean, like, you can say you're off the internet not looking at the stuff or you say you have thick skin, but we all know it's BS, right? This guy is sensitive on the inside. We're all sensitive human beings. It is getting to him. So, yeah. I don't know. Will he see the boot well, next year? I yes. think so. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk more about that because I know that there was another Perez incident in the race that we could talk about in the the next section. Another big highlight in quality for all of us and not for the driver himself, Stroll's crash. I mean... Yeah, it... um, Rookie error. Whatever Mike Crack said saying that oh, you know, Stroll did a good job. Um, he, that shows that he was pushing. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, yeah, you, you were about to swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ron's, Ron's team boss cap coming out with all the uh, colorful swear yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, no, well, for he sure. He was P last yeah, on P his P last nowhere. lap, last corner. Come on. It, like, it was a messy lap. It was a very messy lap. He yeah. didn't put anything together. Wheel spin um, everywhere. And I can tell you for a fact, because we were over at the paddock area during the support races, um, so we had a look at, at all the garages, including Aston Martin. That's where we were parked. For sure, we are very, very confident Lance Stroll is A-OK. It's not an injury. <laughs> um, they just can't get the car rebuilt in time because it's in complete pieces. They don't have a spare tub, I think. They're waiting to put it back together for Suzuka this weekend. Yeah, it, it was it was a big crash. Nazim, you were racing there. So, I mean, walk us through that last corner. How, how did that happen? Yeah, so I think that was unnecessary risk, to be honest, especially your P20. And you want to do the race tomorrow and it's Singapore, you know. There's not a risk you would take. And he should know as well doing the track walk that the curb there is, is different to any other curb. It kind of sinks in. So when you get pulled onto the curb, it sucks you out. And even from FP, they would have known how dirty the outside of the track is already. I think, to be honest, he just took it too fast. And you could see, I mean, he was so far off already. It was already half a car like off the track at that point and there was no saving that to be mm-hmm. honest like even before he got on power he was he was he was goner yeah it's not easy because it's very dirty and it's something that i think he should have anticipated racing in singapore for mm-hmm. six years already or something yeah. like that but yeah i think it's a rookie error and yeah i think he gets the boot as well have you submitted your application to replace him for next year <laughs> i should i just need to buy out the team so. <laughs> it does beg the question i mean i i know i've asked this question before on previous episodes but i'm gonna do it again when is it his time to exit the team i mean when is daddy gonna fire little baby boy when daddy sells his shares probably (laughs) (laughs) shares has gone up (laughs) no but i i don't think stroll's a bad driver but i think going against alonso is you're you're always gonna Mm -hmm. get defeated you know he's a two-time world champion he's 42 years old i mean he is quite old but he's still one of the greats you know in f1 so going up against a guy like that is never easy because stroll's junior career is pretty good Mm -hmm. italian f4 champion european f3 champion like he he has a really good track record and people always like they don't realize that he's yeah he's a pay driver but so is a lot of the drivers on the grid Mm -hmm. and i think he is one of the better ones but going against someone like alonso you're never gonna win and that's why he just looks so defeated this year yeah but also you know we we, we, we've said this before in previous 
previous episodes where all the drivers, whether you're pay or just there for pure talent, you've you've won something, right? You've won a championship. You do have the kind of past creds to to kind of pass through as a mm-hmm. Formula One driver. But making one too many mistakes is enough of a reason in any other team for you to get fired, mm-hmm. right? So then you have this kind of internal debate where you're a father and you want your son to succeed, or you're a legitimate team owner with money in the game, skin in the game, and you want your team to perform at the best possible level. And frankly, your son is not doing it for you, right? I mean, like, you can make the same argument for Perez, right? He does one or two mistakes, but you're going up against Verstappen, but we're all, okay, I was going to say we're all, I'm all for Perez getting the boot next year. (laughs) Our producer is very upset, and she's trying to smile through that pain. Um, (laughs) So, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's it's very tough in Lawrence's position, I think, because the only reason why he bought an F1 team is because Lance is racing. Um, but from a pure businessman point of view, I don't think he would want to put his own son in there. But it's pure out of like, he's shared the passion for so many years, Lance moving his way up to, to Formula One. It also doesn't help that Lawrence is the majority stakeholder in the company. So he doesn't have to answer to the board. Just does what uh, what he wants, I think. Yeah, but yeah. who would you replace Stroll with anyways? Because I think anyone who goes into that seat will get beaten. It's the same thing as Verstappen. It's like you want to go against two two-time world champions. Who's mm-hmm. going to win, you know? Ricardo. <laughs> Ricardo. <laughs> no, but having said that, guys, I mean, the reliance seems to be a lot around Alonso. Mm-hmm. Like, but how long is Alonso planning to stay? He is, he is 42. Yes, he's doing a good job. Yeah. But the motivation to travel to, you know, over 23 Grand Prix, testing and developing the car and your teammate is left behind. It's like a solo show. Yep. Right? It gets very tiring, you know, unless you're a Vettel where, you know, Vettel and Weber during that era where he was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, minority uh, leading the team. But um, having said that, it's it's also Alonso's motivation, right, to be in that environment. It is. I think he loves it. Yeah? I think, I think he's, I mean, we all know drivers have an ego. But Alonso, I think he's loving it. He knows he has all the funding behind him. He was saying this is the happiest he's ever been, right? Like, he has the creds, creds, credentials. (laughs) Um, He has the experience. He knows he's one of the best. So he's having a good time. He has zero pressure from his teammate. He has a very nice company car. That's what I would say. (laughs) They all have nice company cars. (laughs) Yeah, but if Alonso wasn't there, you would never know how good the Aston Martin is. You know, Mm. He's carrying the car beyond that point. If you got any other driver in there, people would be like, oh, the Aston Martin, you know, it's okay. It's not bad. But he's pushing it like what first three races was like three podiums or something ridiculous like that you You could say the same about red bull if it wasn't if it wasn't (laughs) for max you wouldn't know how much red bull were dominating this year Mm -hmm. so i don't know i guess that's that's always the kind of problem with formula one right like you you never know how much potential is in the car exactly but uh, there's also one guy you shouldn't rule out on making a comeback and that's vessel yes okay had a very interesting conversation with martin brando in you know whether or not he's going to come back and never say never exactly his answer was like i wouldn't say no but I also don't know. In past history, all the drivers who left made a comeback. So we'll see. Yeah. I guess Formula One's a bit more exciting than saving the environment, right? I mean, Vettel's <laughs> finding out is a little eco-warrior. Uh, no, good, good for him, though. Um, okay, let's talk about one more thing from qualifying. The massive upset for Red Bull, Liam Lawson. We have to talk about him while we can because yeah. we frankly don't know when Ricardo's coming back. It could be next race. It could be the race afterwards. So let's give him some coverage while we can. He uh, fulfilled a dream of being at the Singapore Grand Prix 
Joffrey mm-hmm. with his dad. He was there with both of his parents. But pipping out Verstappen to P10 for Q3, of course, Sonoda was ahead of him. So, you know, good showing from both drivers. But, I mean, what a drive. He's a talent to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good thing that Red Bull has him. Uh, I think they've groomed him very well. Uh, it's just that the opportunity came slightly earlier than expected they did ask him before the race they had an interview whether he's fit and ready for Singapore and he said I'm as fit as I can be Mm. I'm ready for this challenge and I'm ready for Formula 1 it was such a good um, reception that he had uh, in that authority team so I hope he'll be on the grid next year I think um, there's heavy talks about either the authority seat or the Williams seat um, Mm -hmm. that's available to his favour the points really shows his his potential and uh, in a track like Singapore it's never race never driven before yeah and i think there's more to come from him we said this from day one like liam lawson always on the sidelines but he has so much potential we want to see him in the car now he's in the car and he's proving us right third race q3 first time in singapore and in an alfatari and he scored points as well interesting thing about the williams actually uh, but we'll touch on that you you did say right it is a difficult track and he's he's had some of the hardest tracks we had, you know, Zanvoort in the rain and slick conditions. He's in Singapore. These are probably one of the hardest tracks to learn how to race and drive a Formula One car in. Has he shown enough to potentially boot Ricardo out of his seat next year? Or Paris? What? Mm, it's ooh, quite suiting, but you never know. P- they could be another max. Red Bull you know, do like putting drivers in too soon. I have something actually about this. So, yeah. De Vries last year as well. Yeah. Don't forget, he scored points, I think, in Williams, right? In Monza. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, you know, he'll be so good in F1. And then he got destroyed. Fair point. So, <laughs> I, I think one race showing isn't everything is consistency. So, I guess we have to see like later on in the next few races that he does. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been pretty consistent over the next few races. But I, I agree. I think he we, we need to see a bit more variety of tracks. I mean, he's he's definitely showed that in these very difficult conditions, he can do well. But we got Suzuka next. We know that it can rain. It's a high-speed circuit, so not mm-hmm. so much tight, twisty corners anymore. But he knows Suzuka inside. Like This is know, true. This is very, very out, true. Yeah. This is a track that he knows very, very well. So if he can play that to his advantage, I mean, I wonder if he can finally pip out Sonoda by a mile. Yeah, but Sonoda also has uh, local knowledge, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> also true. He's <laughs> Japanese. Done, How can uh, I forget? It's Quite. almost as if they're both going back to their home track. Yeah. You know? So... Talking about Dan you know, being sidelined, <laughs> uh, Dan Ricciardo, yeah. it's also as though, is he being put aside for the rest of the year? Because the momentum seems to be going quite strong. I mean, despite of Sonoda's engine failures and all this kind of stuff, but performance-wise, I mean, it's, it's really looking good at AlphaTauri. And now they're going home, or home-ish, looking fairly strong. If he does well in Suzuka, maybe. But it depends on the contract they have with Daniel, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is true. Uh, do we know how his recovery is going? I mean, he was he was there at Singapore oh, right, doing like media coverage. Yeah, uh, funny thing. So where our garage was, we uh, sat right in front of the Ritz-Carlton exit. So all the drivers, including Ricardo, always walk past there and then you see all the fans going on. And we're joking, saying that Ricardo's the only one who has so much time to like sign autographs and take take photos because he's got nothing else to do for the whole weekend. <laughs> he can't even sign the autographs. His hands in a cast. Yeah, but I'm sure um, there was a lot for Nazim as well during that weekend don't forget I I take the same exit to Ritz-Carlton as well (laughs) (laughs) that's true the fans are all over you too (laughs) your fans are here buddy (laughs) yeah so just a little bit of context everybody in the studio right now was at the Singapore Grand Prix including our producer 
except me. Except so. me too. No, you were there. No, I wasn't. He was there oh, in spirit. Oh, okay. Oh, dude, we should have <laughs> we should have just been depressed at home together. Oh, 100%. we should have had a watch party. I was party. depressed. Uh, uh, you know, seeing all these fancy photos from our producer and being in the grid. <laughs> yeah, our group chat was <laughs> blowing <laughs> off. Yeah, and I heard about Post Malone on the Saturday night. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we, we probably got more updates about Post Malone than we did about the race itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we will give you that exclusive behind the scenes update from our producer later on in the show. Um, okay, very beefy section on qualifying. Let's jump yeah. straight into the race. A race, of course, on a track now with a different layout. Four corners are now gone. Uh, so we saw lap times increase by about 10 seconds compared to last year. Better or worse? Nazem, I'm going to ask you this first. Yes, way better for racing. Actually. Why? I think um, it creates a longer straight and it gives more overtaking opportunities. And we saw it in the race actually in F1 actually with uh, Norris and Russell going side by side into turn 16. So I think it is a lot better for the racing. And it's also a lot better on tires as well because there's uh, less low speed corners and it's just better on traction and all that. So I think overall it's a better improvement. It helps as well with brake cooling, water temperatures as well stay further mm-hmm. down. So. I think it is quite important that they did that as well. I think it was actually for construction, I believe. But I hope it's a change that stays permanent. Yeah, I mean, to, to have quite a bit of side-by-side racing, it just wasn't even the one incident. There were quite a few battles in cars that are that big. I mean, these cars are Massive. ginormous, right? They're like the biggest they've ever been. So to be able to have that on a street circuit is pretty impressive. Now, let's talk about the domination of Ferrari or of the Ferrari driver. I mean, an excellent showing by Sainz, his second pole in a row. He had a fantastic start and it was a technical race. I mean, I would say maybe after the start, it got a little bit boring, but then things started mm-hmm. to spice up around the safety car period. But throughout all of the different conditions, we didn't have rain, but we had everything else. Sainz was able to hold his own up at the front. I mean, he even told his uh, his engineer on the radio, like, it was, you know, him slowing down was intentional. I mean, that something happened to him over the summer break. Well, I think he looks very refreshed, but there was some one report I read about, they tweaked the car, specifically trying to improve uh, more performance from the tyres. So the car has a lot more um, oversteer, which does not suit Leclerc, on the other hand. But mm-hmm. looking at Sainz, because Sainz's driving style seems to suit that. Mm-hmm. You know, remembering times in F3, he likes driving the car a bit on the nose so happened because of the twisty corners in in Singapore it, it gains a lot of an advantage so yeah how long this setup or this direction Ferrari is going to uh, we don't know but it seems to be a big a uh, big way forward now we we did see Leclerc fall back Due, due to strategy, the safety car, etc. But it was still a very good overall showing by Ferrari. Can we attribute this improve of performance to Vassior? Or is it still too early to tell? Is this the result of the work done by the 50, <laughs> 50 last Ferrari team principals <laughs> in the last kind of two years? I, I think it's a combination of both. They've got all the work done, all the foundation built, plus with Vassior in now, now we're starting to see that movement or that direction that Ferrari wanted to be in as well. Since Monza, they showed really strong pace. Like if Suzuka continues to be strong for them, then we know for sure they're on the right footing and yeah. they're at where they want to be. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Strategy also not too bad. Jazz, we were talking about the show, uh, before the show, a little bit about the strategy in Ferrari and in the other teams. You want to talk us through some of that? Yeah, I mean, we've we've had discussions before on previous Grand Prix on the decision-making in um, pit stop strategies. Um, every time there, there's um, a safety car or, uh, or, or an undercut or an overcut, they've always been very slow to respond. I think Vassour has probably implemented a much more more streamlined decision making and it proved in Singapore and science was was from the lead um, from the beginning of the race right to the end of the race and that's what you want mm-hmm. you know to, to, to pull a gap enough and be on that same set of tyres as long as you can 
but judging from um, the only mistake they made was the double stack pit stop. Uh, Leclerc had to wait an extra three to five seconds just because Lewis Hamilton was in front of him. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think that has been a huge improvement on the management side of Ferrari. Now, the safety car was brought out because Sargent hit the wall. Uh, and if you've seen the replays... <sighs> Do you see the disappointment on my face? <laughs> I, I, yeah, sadly, this isn't a, a video episode because yeah. <laughs> I think we all just have disappointment in all of our faces. And actually, going through my notes for this race, I'm going to have a tough time deciding who my Binnett's going to be for Winnet <laughs> or Binnett later in the show. But, I mean, just rookie error. Yeah. No? Yeah. Also, another driver that said rookie error was Russell. Now, that was at the tail end of the race. He had a pretty good showing up until the last lap. And on the radio, he said, am I a rookie or what? I mean, it just it just goes to show how hard this track is to drive, no? Yeah. It is. I mean, Nazim, you've, it's also your first time racing in, in, in Singapore. Why don't you share with us or the listeners the intensity during the race? You know, sometimes we only see the glitz and glamours and the fancy skyscrapers around the circuit. But why don't you share with us how you managed throughout that race? I can talk about the errors first, like Sargent going into the wall at turn 8, I think it was. So that is the tightest part of the track. You know, it's a first corner for us at least i think in f1 they don't they use third gear as their lowest gear actually just for wheel spin but yeah so it is a very tight track to be honest and the one where uh russell hit the wall actually i don't know why the track is designed like this but the kind of the barrier kind of sticks out a bit so like the positioning for it is much different to a normal corner where you don't actually break on the right side but you break in the middle and then you point your car mm-hmm. like in parallel with the barrier just to go in and obviously what happened i think was norris um he, he clipped it as well and russell's just i mean he, he as well the thing about it is when you're stuck behind a car for so long you get so locked and mesmerized into it that you just do everything you know they do you know mm-hmm. like when they break you break you know and wh- wherever they go you go you know if they they go a bit wide you're gonna go a bit wide and he was just honestly he was just watching like norris's rear and he just clipped it and that's what happened yeah he went into the wall but yeah no it's not easy i think in qualifying is much more intense in the race to be honest in the races um you can see with signs as well you can kind of take your time because there is no overtaking there's some sections where it's only one car can fit through like the bridge mm-hmm. so i think in the races you try to like give a bit of margin and i don't know why he was pushing that hard i think at that point the race was done already and there was no reason for him to be trying to risk that much on the last lap because i didn't see an overtake happening with like signs like just in front and norris having drs you can't overtake you know if the car in front of you has drs as well we call it a drs train and it's impossible to overtake because there's nothing you can do like if you follow as well they will gain speed as well so not much you can do but yeah it, it is a track where you have to understand that you have to like take back sometimes and like kind of chill because you want to finish the race at the end of the day because that's what scores points yeah and talking about points i mean it it is such a shame because that was such a healthy haul of points for mercedes but looking down the order as well there are actually quite a number of mid-pack teams that also lost out on on a bunch of points and and we're getting to that second half of the season where literally every single individual point matters more than ever now and the, the fight is so so thin one in particular was perez's move on albon and James Vowles was saying afterwards in an interview that a silly mistake like that, uh, not by his driver, but, but by Perez, is likely going to cause them the championship, right? I mean, they are mm-hmm. literally fighting for the tightest of margins. And Perez, once again, not just ruining it for Red Bull, but also for other teams as well. And our, our beloved Albon, who I know is Weyron's favorite driver. Oh, no, it's his girlfriend. <laughs> Lily? 
<laughs> how, how was she, by the way? We, we know Ron managed to, to meet a few of the wags of Formula One. Well, it, it made the whole Grand Prix worth it. <laughs> Ron living the high life. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it there so that this part of the show doesn't get cancelled and so your wife doesn't cancel you either. Um, <laughs> living the dream. Who else? We also have... Actually, there was another Red Bull incident uh, with Perez. It was against Sonoda on lap one. How could I forget? Sonoda, really good showing in qualifying, making it to Q3 in the top 10. And then on lap one, gets gets his rear, uh, rear axle tapped by uh, Perez around the outside just broke the suspension and that was that was race over so Perez just up and down the order playing Mario Kart not another Red Bull car you know I mean <laughs> okay fine it's an Alpha Tori but he's somewhat your teammate right but it's a long Grand Prix guys there's always room to leave that minor 20% just to okay I'll catch him back up and he knows he's in a better car than that Alfa why do you have to risk it on the first lap I don't get it to be honest and maybe it's the pressure maybe he's not uh, happy being where he's at sometimes it transpires to when you're driving in that race but I, I know drivers really want to make all of the moves they can in the first few laps right because that's when the field is as bunched together as possible so you know all the moves are great and risky and you, you're you kind of like oh my god that was the move of the race up until they fail and cause an accident but one driver I do want to focus on we were talking earlier on in the show about cheeky tactics that F1 drivers do right you know we know they push the rules they, we know they kind of play that game of psychology with other drivers like Schumacher notorious for messing with his teammate there was that one story I don't know if this is true or not where he would sit in the bathroom and lock the door and just wait because he knew his teammate needed to use the toilet yeah and would just wait to the very last minute so that his teammate had to rush to kind of get in the car and kind of completely mess with their head all the mind games yeah all of yeah. the mind games so I want to talk about Hamilton at the start, right? This wasn't, it's not too much of a controversy. He didn't gain too much from it ultimately at the end of the race. But we saw Hamilton trying to go around the outside into turn one. And he ended up completely cutting the corner (laughs) all the way around, gaining two extra places, right? It was very easily justified by saying, oh, I got pushed wide. If I didn't go wide, then I would get into an accident. But you say that when you have reaction time, right? You are reacting to a scenario on track. It didn't look like he was reacting. That that was way too great. He He was like, I knew I was going to do it. He was manifesting going (laughs) wide. So do you guys think that was intentional? Yeah. He he flat out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So actually, I, 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 I think I understand why he did it. It's because if there's a risk, you're going to lose your position in turn one, two, three. You may as well just cut it and give it back. You know what I mean? That led him to have a, to have a podium at the end of the race. True. So, yeah. you know, it's... it's Calculative risk. Very calculative risk. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I guess it's also knowing what the FIA is like. You know, Hamilton's been around for so long. He yeah. knows exactly who he's going to be dealing with, how yeah. the penalties are going to be issued. Mm-hmm. We know how kind of, what's the English word? I want to say lalang. Just kind of yeah. arbitrary yeah. Uh, some of the penalties are. So I guess, yeah, he knew it was worth the risk, right? Instead of losing yeah. three or four positions. Talking of not taking risk as well, Alonso entering the pit lane. That was a bit of a, <laughs> a funny one. Locking up, yeah. just unnecessarily going over the curb, back yeah. onto the track, yeah. and then turning back into uh, the pit lane. What a rookie. Yeah, just rookies yeah. all round. I don't know what's up with Singapore. I once had a teammate who did that, actually, Dan. It was our first Le Mans. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Do, 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 we, do we know who he is? I think we know who it is. And um, <laughs> luckily, we didn't get a fight. Anyway, show me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Back All to the right. race. Yeah. So anyway, race overall, uh, very exciting. Another good showing. Ocon, complete shame. I mean, he was up to P6 and then his car just died on him. And I know you, you could hear on the radio. I mean, the guy was screaming at the end of it. Understandably so, though. I mean, you would be mm-hmm. frustrated. He was mega all weekend in that Alpine. He was so strong in the race. Good race pace, good quality. I think they had uh, a shy of a podium up for grabs, but definitely big points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's nice to see that form from Ocon. And of course, talking about the driver with the best form, we have our smooth operator, Carlos Sainz. Um, Sainz. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna experiment here. Do we, do we all want to sing "Smooth Operator" <laughs> in unison? <laughs> I mean, he was singing at the end of the race, right? Yeah. Uh, should we do it? Ready? Three, two, one. Smooth Operator. Oh, wow, this is. So <laughs> 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 gonna this is definitely gonna be cut out. <laughs> I have a new ringtone, guys. Thank you. Um, Jazz, you've got a a little bit of a a rumor coming on about another team joining. Yeah, it seems like Andretti has gotten their FIA support to enter. They're just waiting for FOM, Formula 1 Management, to give them the uh, rights to enter into Formula 1 and perhaps uh, the Concord Agreement for their commitment long term. So heavy, heavy paddock gossips mm-hmm. of who's going to be there, who's going to drive, where are they going to be based. Mm-hmm. And Andretti has been very well established in the world of motor racing. So I think it will be second nature for them to be in Formula 1. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like Sargent has a home after all. He's not, he's not <laughs> going to get the boot. He's not going to be lost. Uh, very very exciting stuff we'll keep a pulse on that over the next few episodes all right we're running out of time but to wrap up the show let's give some quick fire answers to some of our fan questions thank you so much to everybody that did write in please do dm us on either our personal pages or on the suited and booted social media accounts first question from jt99 maverick why did red bull lose so much pace in singapore and why did they not react to leclerc pit stop on virtual safety car who wants to take that on I don't really want to talk about Red Bull, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's not far from what we said before. I think yeah. Red Bull found their weakness here in Singapore. As Jez mentioned, I think they, they struggled to deal with such high track temperature. The car's just not working in those conditions. So we'll, we'll, we'll see in Suzuka if they'll still be strong or not. All right, next question from... Ikmal Azman 92 what was the atmosphere like over there I think I'm going to hand this over to our producer sure what's the question again what was the atmosphere like over there it was insane if you've ever been for a uh, F1 race weekend you know how chaotic it can be I think this year it was a bit quieter um, in comparison to last year because maybe last year was the first race weekend in Singapore after COVID happened so it was a little bit more lively I think but overall yeah I, th- I thought it was really really fun you know being back there mm-hmm. um, behind the pit doing the pit walk and all of that we've, so. we, we've never seen her smile this much <laughs> before uh, 10 out of 10 would do it again oh 10 out of 10 would do it again <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm only going to be 25 once and have shawls stare at me like that so uh, you know she she's saying stare at her but if you did look at her instagram stories <laughs> it was it was an accidental yeah. gaze no, up wasn't. at it the wasn't. like 500 people behind her as it well <laughs> i think it someone wasn't. sneezed and he looked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but it was a, it was amazing to see you know tons of people be there like mika hakkinen was there uh, bunny eccleston obviously and i saw christian horner and i said no i didn't say anything but i was just like you better not kick my mans out next year <laughs> god i swear to god um, she she is the single reason why Perez is going to have a seat next year. Absolutely. You heard it here first. I will make sure yeah. it happens. She'd be making the deals. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bye. <laughs> okay, 10 out of 10. We'll do it again. Question number three from 
Aisha M. Razif. What was your reaction looking at Russell's crash? Anybody here? Did you guys see the crash live? I saw the onboards, not live. Yeah, yeah. Who um, saw it live? Did you guys see it live? I, I was flying. Okay, so, so Stroll was flying. Nazim was flying. Yasmin? Okay, well, I saw it on TV. Um, I remember everyone was just up in arms because obviously it was on the last lap. It felt like such a shame. It was such a shame to see Russell bin it um, at the very end. So, yeah, disappointing. And everyone was just... Everyone oh, was yeah. cheering. Well, everyone was like livid. I everyone think. was livid. Yeah. Everyone was so disappointed, I yeah. think, was the, the general sentiment across the board. Everybody's everyone was super disappointed. Everybody's so nice when they're not a racing driver. I feel like I, I want to ask your guys' opinion after watching the onboard. I feel like... Racing yeah. drivers are so much more savage, like yeah. pff, rookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Everybody's nodding their head. Yeah. 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 Rookie? I mean, he, he drove a good race, but it doesn't matter, you know. Lap one or lap 60, you crash, you get zero points. Yeah. At the end of the day, it makes no difference. You know? Fair enough. Okay, last question. Number four from Shafika Justina. Best tips and recommendations we have for someone who is interested in F1 but doesn't know where to start? That is a very good question. I, I can answer that. So there's a place called Evil Karting. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got a better answer. There's this place called Suited and Booted on Spotify, uh, which if you listen to, you can get into Formula One and get all of the greatest behind-the-scenes information and plugs. And if you want to start driving, then you go to Evil Karting. And if you slide into Weyron's DMs, I'm sure he will give you a mega, mega discount, particularly if you've been writing questions in. So please keep writing questions in, everybody. Thank you so much for that all right tail end of the show win it or bin it guys i'm gonna keep up the tradition we're gonna say our win it all at the same time and then we'll say our bin it all at the same time so just a couple seconds you guys know you're win it yeah yeah ready three two one signs yeah okay so three of us for signs who did you say wrong i said lando why oh. i thought he did very well Carlos deserved to win 100% but I think Lando performed really well under that pressure he knew the two you know the two mercs were coming in charging up the field but he also did have help from Carlos yeah. um, to be fair but he still coped and, and I think he did really well for McLaren fair enough uh, Nazim why why Carlos because he won the race fair enough I think that's, that's the best justification <laughs> we have alright let's move on to Bennett um Actually, I need a couple seconds for this because I have so many people I want to say for Binet. I was going to okay. say everyone not in the points, I think. <laughs> that, 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 that's yeah. a very good answer. All right, ready? Binet. Three, two, one. Stroll. Oh, we all got different people. Who did you say? I said Stroll. Okay, so we both said Stroll. Yeah. I think for obvious reasons. I think binning it in quali for last place and not even making it to the race. DNS. I think you can't, yeah. you can't trump that. That's like the worst. But Nazim, who did you say? I said Perez. Why? Because he's a professional, you know, and I feel like... No, he's not. <laughs> 10 years in the sport and you make rookie mistakes in qualifying and in the races. Yeah. It's unacceptable. And I think this puts him on like a bad... I get maybe his mentality is a bit off, but you know, it's your job. Yeah. <laughs> and you have enough. to like understand how... You, how you can reset between day and day and not do things like dive bombs and all this kind of basic stuff. What about you, Jazz? I say Sergeant. You know, uh, almost every episode <laughs> I've been saying Sergeant. Yeah. Um, you know, when is he getting the boot? Yeah. Um, he should be getting the boot already. If yeah. the freeze gets the boot earlier than expected, why not Sergeant, right? I, so, I think our producer is going to start tallying up all of our win it and bin it. Mm. And then we can see at the end of the year who scores the most points. We should yeah. have a leaderboard for that. We yeah. should. We should. Stay tuned for that end of season round up <laughs> can I do a win it or bin it oh yeah actually yeah yes. no we've got we've got our fan gal yeah <laughs> okay so we're, our producer's gonna give her win I'll it I'll give bin my it. win it or bin it let's this go time. okay just from being there and just like the general sentiment that was there Post the Malone <laughs> 
<laughs> Post Malone, 100% yeah. won it. I don't think Ron agrees with us, though. So just from being there, I think win it, Liam Lawson. I mm, think I might mm-hmm. have to give it to Liam Lawson. Fair, fair. And just like what he did this past weekend. Absolutely incredible. After what, two races? Bennett, Russell. I mean, yeah, again, going back to like the whole like disappointment. I, you know what? It wasn't just disappointment. I felt bad for him. He literally binned it as well. On the last true. round. That so. is true. Yeah. The Fair last point. round. Yeah, the last round. <laughs> So he literally binned it. So, Professional binder. Yeah. yeah, Liam Lawson and George Russell for me. Nah, I, I, I actually agree yeah. with everybody's opinions. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. good job. Okay, so next race will be this weekend in Suzuka, 22nd to 24th of September. Uh, love that track. Very fast and flowy. Um, I know some of you here have actually raced there, so do stay tuned for that. It's going to be another beefy episode. Uh, we can have that driver's perspective of the track, and hopefully it does rain, because we've been seeing over the last couple of races, mm-hmm. when it rains, it's Singapore's, and uh, it just adds to a little bit of that racecraft. Um, stay tuned to this podcast and all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Shock app. Thank you all to those who uh, wrote in. Thank you so much to our special guests, Malaysian racing driver Nazim Azman. Uh, my name is Daniel Woodruff. I'm Jasmine Jafar. And we're on 10. And that was a Singapore roundup on Suited and Booted. Take care and drive safe. 